hosting the Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. All right. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Yes, Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 228. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au for information about their products. We will talk about them shortly. But joining me, Trevor Long, and you can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. You can follow this bloke on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH from techguide.com.au. G'day, Stephen. Hello, Trevor. Good evening. And uh, it's another big show we've got this week. We may need an hour. And God damn it, we'll take it if we need it. No, because... we won't. We'll, we'll be quicker than an hour. Okay, 55 minutes. No, we, <laughs> we, we aim for 30 and we normally give about 10 minutes of added value. That's how we yeah, roll at here. no extra cost. On Two Blokes Talking Tech, we, we throw in added minutes, right? We're like a telco, right? No rolling over, though. The, the minutes don't roll over. If, if you miss them <laughs> this week, you don't get extra ones next week. That's all I'm saying. And uh, as you say, lots to get into, so let's get cracking Two Blokes Talking Tech. And straight off the top, we didn't we didn't mention last week's uh, Huawei Watch, and we, so we can talk about that today. Plus, today, six o'clock this morning, Samsung announced their pricing for their Gear S two smartwatch and availability. It's available right now from the Samsung Experience stores in Sydney and Melbourne, and the pricing is good, uh, not great, good. Four ninety nine to start, which is spot on with an Apple Watch. Um, this is a very interesting product for many reasons, Stephen. The first and foremost is I think they may have come up with the best uh, interaction, the best um, way of interfacing with the watch. The bezel around the outside twists and turns. It's very intuitive. I remember playing with it at IFA and thinking, amazing. And now on the wrist, it it really is intuitive. It's not Android Wear. It's clearly not Apple Watch. It's it's Samsung's own operating system, which is a bit frustrating, but it still works on any Android phone. Imagine if they open it up to Apple Watch, Apple phones. This could be a yep. very interesting watch. I I think it's good, but you know, not great in terms of price, and probably doesn't match the Huawei on quality. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that this this is definitely uh, one of the one of the standouts for me. I think the fact that uh, Samsung have been in the game probably longer than everyone else in the smartwatch market, uh, and have come to this point. I think um, through a lot of trial and error. I think that the, this latest product is is above average. Uh, I do agree that the bezel, the rotating bezel, is a great interface into the system. Uh, I, I, th- I, I liken it to the digital crown on the Apple Watch. The difference being, though, that the digital crown on the Apple Watch is on the right-hand side of the product, uh, whereas this device... Uh, so if you're wearing the Apple Watch on your right hand, you need to turn the watch upside down and rearrange the way that the face is 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 arranged. So that's a bit a bit to deal with. Whereas this watch, you can wear it on either hand, and that bezel on the outside will work regardless of which hand you wear it with. Mm. So 
that I think is a big tick for Samsung. Uh, the fact that it, they're using the ties and operating system, which that, that's a, a similar system they're using on their smart TVs as well. So expect, I reckon, down the track a little bit of interactivity between the watch and the TVs. Uh, and, the, the, and of course, open to all Android devices running, I think, 4.4 and above. Mm. But I think that Samsung had a real opportunity here to, to pinch a little bit of market share off Apple even further if they had have opened this up to being compatible with the iPhone, oh, I think absolutely. it would have been, and I say this in the nicest possible way, I think it would have been the ultimate up yours to Apple to say, well, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna attract try to attract some of your own customers away yeah. from your own product. Yeah, the brand experience is critical. So if you get yes. Apple iPhone users using a Samsung watch, because let's face it, not everyone likes the Apple Watch. Um, this is a much yeah. this is a much more normal looking watch. My uh, I had a conversation today with someone, and they said, "Oh, I might get a watch, a smartwatch, when they look more not more like watches because they've been a bit big and chunky." This is still quite a, a quite a large uh, thickness watch, but it's on par with a lot of watches on the market. Uh, I I absolutely agree. I think they would be super smart to find a way of, at the well, very least, linking them up for notifications. Perhaps not app integration, but in the same way that Android Wear. It has basic notifications from iPhone. Absolutely, could be huge. Absolutely. I had a I had an interesting caller on the radio today during our T two GB segment. We were talking about the Gear S two, and we had this guy calling saying, "Look, I want I want to buy my girlfriend a, a smartwatch. Which would you recommend, the Gear S two or the Apple Watch?" And I said, "Well, mate, it's not really. It's 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 actually that the decision is based on what sort of phone she's using." Yeah. And he said, "Oh well," she, she, he said, "Oh, like like most girls, she's got an iPhone." I said, "Well, mate, your your only choice is the Apple Watch, uh, or unless it's another Android Wear. But in b- between those between two those choices, two. the Gear S two and the Apple Watch, uh, it was obvious that only the Apple Watch would work. So there there was an illustration of, yeah, even iPhone users could potentially be attracted to this product. Yeah, uh, and and I think that is a missed opportunity. So look, I think on price they've done okay. I think I, I, this." <laughs> Do you remember, and I remember because it was in my old house, I was in the garage, and I remember sitting there one day, you came around, and we were sitting there just just bemoaning the fact that there were some really good tablets on the market, yep. but they were they were matching or, or being more expensive on price than iPad, and we kept saying, they've got to be cheaper, remarkably cheaper. We've had this conversation yeah. with, with mobile phone executives in taxis. I yep. think it's the same with bloody smartwatches. Sorry, but Apple just are able to do what they do. What you need to do is be compelling on price above all other things. So if yeah. you make this a low 400s, let alone high 300s, mate, this thing sells off the shelf. I agree. I think uh, that uh, Samsung had an opportunity here. I think that uh, that they look. It, it's 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 hard. It's hard for a company. I think to. To, I think in their mind, making something cheaper makes it inferior to the customer. I think that, that yeah. that's kind of the that's their that, thought, that's, but it's that, not well, true. That's what they're wrestling with. That they go, they well, our product is as good as the uh, Apple Watch, so it should be priced the same as the Apple Watch. Mm. Well, that kind of works in the boardroom, but I think in the market, it, it might not. And, and I'll, I'll be I'll be frank. I think Apple Apple's uh, the, the Apple Watch. I think. For the same price, I think the quality factor has got to probably go to to Apple here for, for the price. sure. But bang bang for your buck, I think Apple's product yeah. uh, is probably slightly better value in terms of its construction and its design. Uh, the Samsung Gear S2, while very impressive, is largely plastic. 
Uh, I think even even the Gear S2 Classic, it has got. I think it's got a leather band, mm. but still, it has got a metal. It's got a metal body. The the, the Gear S2, uh, the Gear S2 Classic. I'm no. not sure, but it, no, I, 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 I can't so. see it in terms of the uh, that that kind of matching quality for quality with the Apple Watch. And Apple mm. Apple got into. They had a lot of criticism about how expensive the watch was. The or even at the entry level, of course, mm. they got many levels of quality. Mm. But as we're seeing now. Apple's watch is actually priced pretty competitively. And and the best example of that, let's let's quickly touch on the Huawei watch. The the Huawei watch is for all intents and purposes um, a better generation Moto Moto 360 and there's a new generation Moto 360 coming, but you know, circle screen, uh, metal construction, uh, quite a thick watch, but some really nice bands. You've got the metal link, I've got the leather, it's a very classic but simple look, but just broadly the the physical watch itself is Metal, it's a very good construction. It feels of value. And so, interestingly, while it's priced at more than the Apple Watch, I think it's better value than the Samsung Watch on face value, on you know look and feel and basic usage. And obviously, the Huawei Watch is available to iPhone users. I've been using it. You know, For an iPhone user to use a Huawei Watch is fantastic. And it really does say to me that we have ourselves... A smartwatch war on in earnest. Absolutely right. Yeah, and I, I too have been using the Huawei watch. I, I do have the uh, the metal link the link band. Uh, it it does. I think Huawei, as we've all seen in the last couple of years, has had a distinct rebirth in terms of the the quality of their products have really leapt up into uh, into a, a new a new a new level and I think the their their smartphones are very impressive and, and this watch just straight out of the box the the, the it has a luxurious feel even the box mm. you get it out it's got a metal construction uh, so you, you are you, you you can feel that it's a premium product yep. and having a higher price tag of course that's because it's made out of these these premium materials and the fact that it's compatible too, as you mentioned, with with iPhone, I've been using it with my iPhone, and I've already paired it with other Android devices too. So that gives them uh, a better, large, wider appeal to customers. Hmm. Uh, and very, I'm very impressed with the quality of, of this product. So I don't know. I think Samsung kind of they they missed an opportunity here, uh, have not having that compatibility with the iPhone. I think is a huge miss opportunity because I'm sure there would have been a few customers that would have that would have uh, adopted this as their smartwatch. If you're going to do if you're going to do a pros and cons of using your own operating system versus Android Wear, in the pro column's got to be we can determine compatibility, and they should be driving that. They should be driving the iPhone compatibility. Why would you ignore thirty percent of the Aussie market? Uh, you know, probably fifty yeah. percent of the the high end market globally. It's just. It's almost insanity. It should be where you're targeting because especially given those people are in some way, um, they can't afford a, a smartwatch. Yep. They prob- if they haven't bought an Apple well, one, it's probably because they don't like it. You think about this and let, let's look at it from Apple's point of view now. Apple would never make the Apple Watch compatible with an Android device. Yeah. So that that's out of the gate. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an opening there for you. Mm. If, you're a, if you're a Samsung, be, being more like Apple... In, in, in that regard, is not helpful. Uh, and, and I'll give you a couple of other examples. The last, the Galaxy S6, the Note 5, the the Edge phones, they've become more like iPhones in terms of not having a micro SD card slot, mm. uh, having different levels of uh, internal memory that you've got to pay for. 
the look of the phones are similar. So Samsung, in some cases, by by doing acting more like Apple, it, it's to their detriment. I think the more they're they're not like Apple, the better it is for them. That's I think right. there's a lot of people, and I had another call on the radio today. Was look, I'm turning off, I'm turned off the Samsung phones because it doesn't have a micro SD card slot. Mm. People would come come to Samsung. But for one of the main reasons is because they're not Apple. Yep. They want a better choice. They want something different. And we will and, we will talk about the Sony uh, in a little while. But that's an example of an Android phone that is so not an iPhone. It's everything. Uh, it's everything but an iPhone. Yep. That's where Samsung should be. But look, the smartwatch uh, race wars, whatever you want to call it, is exciting because um, everyone needs to find their their place. Everyone also needs to find out what the heck it is people want with these things, <laughs> because it's all well and good to say you've got apps, but most of the apps on the Apple Watch I find, you know, mostly useless. I'm better off on, on the phone. Um, you know, there's a long way to go, and, and it's early days. So I actually think people like Huawei and Motorola will will do very well because they're able to enter the market with something yeah. that's quite compelling for a but larger I, audience. I do think, though, that you know, and like Apple, to me, the Apple Watch seems to have, um, at this point, a bit more potential because there mm. there are so many developers creating apps for the device, yeah, and absolutely. it's going to have uh, obviously being, being its own operating system and its own link to iPhones. It's going to have this this whole unique point of view. Samsung, I think, uh, I applaud them for having their own operating system as well. Yep. So they're they're kind of going out on their own. Um, the the others that are all running Android Wear, it's going to come down to design and price because. It's like it's like going to buy a Windows PC. Uh, they all run Windows 10, but you know if the the design of the product and the brand is then what you really need to make your choice over. That's right. That's what we're going to see with with the smartwatch. And you you can't forget there's also you know LG out there with the with the the G Watch and uh, Sony's got the smartwatch three all running Android Wear. So there's the the market's becoming crowded with these devices uh, and people, when it comes to making their choices, especially for the in the Android Wear space, are looking at design and they're looking at price. Yeah. Interesting times. Uh, full reviews uh, in, the, in the days and weeks ahead. I think Stephen will have his Huawei Watch review up tomorrow. Uh, check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, earlier this week, New laws around data retention kicked in here in Australia. And what that basically means, it's all about your metadata. So your information around your phone, your internet use, your location information, what your web browsing. The service providers are now obliged to collect that information from their customers and pass it along to government agencies who uh, we're assuming are using this information for to investigate major crimes and possible terrorism. And let's just say, Trevor, that not everybody's happy about this. Mm, there really? is a, there is a kind of band of people thinking, well, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. Mm. Yet there is a quite a vocal other side to the argument saying, well, this is an in invasion of my privacy uh, and they're not happy that the government has got access to so much information. Uh, we should point out metadata is actually the time you called, the person you called. It's not the call. It doesn't. They're not reading your emails. They're not listening to your phone calls. They're not looking at the content of the websites you're browsing. Uh, that that is is not on the table. It's the it's that other metadata around that 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 we're talking about here, and it has caused quite a division, not only uh, among the community, but also uh, on social media. 
And, jeez, uh, don't they love piling up against you? I, I, I put out some very simple tweets the other day posing my opinion. And, you know, jeez, it was like Unleashed. Now, if I was an emotionally volatile person, I'd be in a corner in the bloody fetal position. These people were basically trolls. You know, it's very interesting because people are completely off. They're loopy. So I had a guy say to me uh, on Twitter, isn't the internet meant to be free and open? Uh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no such thing. That's The internet is just an extension of society. Society is not free and open. Society is run by laws and legislation. And, uh, you know, frankly, as I've said before, you should be more worried about the privacy of your data in terms of the banks, you know, the amount of information they have about you, Facebook, Google, your your supermarkets. These people know a lot about you. Trust me, they've got a better picture of you than law enforcement officials. What is being asked to be kept here is exactly what is already kept. It's just that telcos are sporadically, some keep it for 30 days, some keep it for 60. So a law enforcement agency says, hey, can you please pull the logs on Trevor Long for, you know, March till, till April? They go, no, don't, don't have it. Another ISP says, yeah, we got it. So the government's saying, hey, you've all got to keep it for two years. That's it. They're not changing who can access it. In fact, they're making it slightly harder. No, they don't need a warrant, but they never have. That's not changed. So it's, it's a very interesting thing to me. And I, I made the point of saying all these people going, oh, here's how to set up a VPN, mate. The people that want to set up a VPN are the people who've got a PGP key in their Twitter handle. Seriously, this is not for you, okay? You should go and live under a rock somewhere because the internet, the connected world, is not for you. But for the 99.95% of the public who we talk to, um, I don't think they care. I think they're quite happy. I think they obviously want to know who's doing it, and they want to have some level of protection. And If anyone really thinks that some agency or some individual is going to abuse this system and not be not be brought before their own agency, let alone the courts themselves. They're kidding. And yeah. the beautiful thing here is, you you're you're a policeman. Let's say you're a policeman, let alone the RSPCA or some other agency people are worried about. You can't just go to a website and search for Stephen Fennick's metadata. It's not available on an open system. It's still stored by the ISPs. They so that bloke has to ask his superior to fill out a form which has to be signed by someone in authority in the organization and then get sent to the to the independent, you know, telco. It's a process. They don't just do it for funsies. So I, I think, think you'll find take a that the the, the the opponents that you heard and saw on, on social media they're the same voices we hear whenever whenever any any sense of privacy is raised. I think that there's always this little bit of hysteria around oh this oh Google because because of you search for something here it's going to remember that and maybe target some ads to you. So a lot of people get this paranoia about oh the the internet's tracking me and then they feel their privacy is being breached. Yet they're tweeting uh, well, away. It hasn't actually. Well, you know, they're, 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 it's the same voices we're hearing in this debate as we've heard in the past where uh, there's all this panic every time a, a minuscule piece of information is raised. And, and you, you rightly point out that probably Facebook has more information about you uh, than any of the telcos uh, and any of these agencies are ever going to have. The, so, best, the best one yesterday was people including Edward Snowden. I mean... A bloke who I don't have a lot of time for tweets that Australia's now got two-year mandatory data retention. He tweeted a link to a petition from GetUp. So if you're, if you're worried about your privacy, we're encouraging you to send your details because you have to give actual details in a petition for it to be valid. So you have to give at least your name, email address, and suburb 
to a left-wing political organisation to potentially send a send a, uh, a petition out. Yeah, and I on mean, the recommendation of Odin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, go for it, people. Yeah. Good luck with that. But seriously, <laughs> if you're worried, if you are seriously worried about it, set up a VPN. But trust me. The minute you've set it up, you'll realize that was a stupid thing to do because everything will slow down. You'll have a huge extra data bill because of the, the, way, the, the way the VPN treats the data. Plus, you won't be able to access most of the websites and services because they're geo-blocked from overseas people. So it'll actually cause you more harm than good. You'll come back to the real world. You'll realize that data retention ain't a world-ending thing. And uh, yes, there will be a problem in the future. Yes, someone will be breached. Someone will be hacked. Something will happen. But in the end, if one little crime is helped to be taken to court, and remember the police have said there are plenty of cases that have not made it through the courts because they, they lack this data because it had been destroyed, not yeah. kept for two years. Well, I'm sorry. I support that. I'm, yeah, well, I'm you, on the you side think, of law enforcement. Think about the other risks of terrorism and, and, and all these things going on. Uh, look, if this data can help avoid that, Avoid someone being shot in front of Parramatta Police Station, yeah. a 15-year-old kid getting a gun and, and, and causing all these problems, then bring it on, I say. 15-year-old kid who was radicalised over a period of three months. Now, all that metadata three months ago, it's gone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So the police can't even look. They can't look back that far. Yeah. There's your problem, people. So take a chill pill, enjoy your life, and if you're really that worried, start paying cash and turn off your mobile phone because... You're being tracked at all times. I mean, it's simple, isn't it? Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm open, absolutely open to a conversation about this. But if you're going to hit me with stupid, narky comments, you'll just get blocked or I'll swear back at you because I'm a very sweary person. And uh, <laughs> and I actually, if my, my rule is you, you're rude to me, I can be rude to you. Very simple. So Ziggy yeah. Zaggy's the hashtag on, on Twitter if you want to hit us up at Trevor Long, at Stephen Fennick. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Speaking of Facebook, <laughs> um, not only do they know where you are and who you are and what you do, they're now going to know what you love and hate. Um, because right now, all Facebook knows is what you like. And it's an interesting thing. People have been calling for some time for a dislike button. And Mark Zuckerberg came out recently and said, we will not introduce a dislike button, but we do accept that there is a need for something. And this week, they unveiled in Ireland and Spain a trial of reactions. Now, the reactions are extra emojis. And I don't want to say, I told you so, but I told you so. It's exactly what I said would be the case. Um, Everyone, you know, three weeks ago was saying, oh, Facebook's introducing a dislike button. No, that was not the story. Best journalism ever. Um, What you'll get is if if Stephen posts, uh, you know, isn't Logan cute, he's down at the park, I don't have to click like. I can click love. I can click ha ha. I can click um. Oh, what is there? There's sad. Yay. There's angry. There's yay. There's wow. So there's a range of emotions, and what they want is for you to be able to be more expressive. And obviously, the best time for this is um sad times. So uh, someone passes away, it's very hard to click like. It really is because even though it's accepted as the only way to engage and say. Mm, you know, I, I hear you without commenting if you're not close enough. Because remember, you're not close to everyone on Facebook. Then the ability to to put a sad face or a heart, whatever it might be, is I think it's a good thing, and I think it'll change slightly the way Facebook operates. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I, I'm sad to report. Actually, I, I can relate to exactly what you just said this week. A uh, couple of pe- friends that I knew hmm. passed away this week. One was Sam Debrida, who I worked with at News yeah, Limited. Very absolutely. sad to hear of his passing. So many people were 
providing tributes on on Facebook. And yeah, you're right. The clicking the like button doesn't seem appropriate. I found out today another another close friend of mine growing up uh, has sadly passed away as well. And again, Facebook was the go to uh, the go to platform where people were expressing their sadness and shock. And the, these buttons, the, these reaction, these new Facebook reactions can offer you something that's a little bit more appropriate yep. rather than just clicking on a like on, on the like button. And I agree, dislike, never going to happen, uh, but this gives something in between. So oh, I think you know, good on Facebook for trying to – they're always thinking. I, I, re, I re-watched The Social Network the other day, you know, the film yeah, yeah. Uh, based on the creation of Facebook. Yep. And I, I, still, I distinctly remember one of the quotes from Mark Zuckerberg's character, well, the person who played Mark Zuckerberg in the film, and he said, "When when is this going to be finished? And he mm. said, it'll never be finished. Yeah. It'll keep going and going. And this is an example of how it, it is constantly in flux. It's constantly changing. And and I, I think you, you'll notice that the, 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 there are less complaints now when, when Facebook is sort of slowly evolved and, and changed in certain places. So mm. these reaction emojis, I say bring them on. Bring it on. And uh, if you want to have a look at them, I've got them up at eftm.com.au. Apologies for the blips in the radar there. Every now and then we get a little blip in the in the line. Uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at netgear, netgear.com.au. And if you haven't had a look yet at the Arlo range of smart home security cameras, have a look because they are HD wire-free, 100% wire-free security cameras for your home. So they have batteries in them and they connect wirelessly to your, to your home network so that from anywhere in the world you can look at them. From anywhere in the world you can look at cloud-based um, files that are uploaded every time they detect motion. You can set them to record a certain length uh, based on a certain period of motion based on the time of day when you may need it recorded. So right now in my studio, there's motion, but it's not recording because I've told it I'm here. But during the day, I'm not here. So I've asked it to record any motion and email me. It sends me an email with a link. I can download the video in my email. I can watch it on my smartphone. I can watch it in a browser. It's sensational, especially when you're away, and, and a great way to stay safe and have some comfort about what's happening at home, even if you just want to watch your pets. Uh, the Arlo Smart Home Security System from Netgear is available now uh, at JB Hi-Fi and other leading retailers, and you can check it out at netgear.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. One of those um, non-event uh, Apple press releases last night where we, where we uh, suddenly get an information that uh, Apple's updated their, their range of iMacs. And the critical difference now is that all iMacs are now 5K Retina screens. Um, that's a pretty important change. The 5K Retina is a beautiful uh, iMac. Um, it also means that, uh, you know, price-wise, the, the entry point, I think, might have gone up a bit. But the other thing they announced, and the thing I'm actually more excited about, is the accessory. They've, arranged, they've announced a new keyboard, a new mouse, and a new trackpad, all of which have a slightly new design, except the mouse looks almost identical, but they are rechargeable. So they have a little lightning port Hello. so you can use your, um, your, your mobile phone to charge them. Yeah, it's good good to see these new devices on on the market. I, I really like the fact that uh, it, it, the Retina displays are now included on more iMacs because you got to remember, uh, just a few weeks ago, the iPhone 6s, iPhone 6s Plus, hello, can shoot 4K video now mm. and take 12 megapixel pictures, so they're going to look a lot better 
on your iMacs. Uh, now, the wireless accessories, of course, they uh, they come with the new iMacs, but there'll be a lot of people that'll be keen to get their hands on them to complement their existing iMacs, uh, including myself. Uh, the, the Trackpad 2, uh, the Magic Mouse 2, and the new Magic Keyboard. I like how there's magic in all of those names. <laughs> uh, I do notice, though, that... Uh, the dollar hasn't done us any favors. Oh, They're God. a lot more expensive than the previous models. Uh, the, or I think previously all of those products were all under $100. Now they're all over and some well over $100. The Magic Trackpad 2, for example, is $199 Australian dollars. Magic Mouse 2 is $129. And the new Magic Keyboard is $165. And the Trackpad comes with Force Touch. That's a big deal because Force Touch can be a very useful thing. And, and designers might love it. Uh, editors might love it. But, you know, that, that inclusion probably has bumped up the price. But, geez, that's a lot of money for it trackpad it is i think that the the we, we've said it i think there was the same case for the iphone 6s and 6s plus the dollar i think in the last two years has dropped about 23 cents app prices are going to go up so a so dollar 29 app's going to be a dollar 49 so yeah they're really killing us on price but that's the dollar it's not apple um the interesting thing is though moby do you remember m-o-b-e-e the, the accessories company had a good yep. rechargeable um, set up. I wonder how they'll do now because that was a that was a strong point for them. That was their thing. You could convert your existing keyboard and mouse to be rechargeable. I wonder how they'll go. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I th- the fact that too, well, the one saving grace I think is the fact that you don't have to buy batteries for them anymore. Yeah. So the the the, the, the you can charge them up now. Uh, is a magic mouse that doesn't have batteries anymore either, does it? That's right. It's got a lightning on the bottom. It's a very weird spot yes. for the charging port. That on the is bottom. the saving grace because you do rip through a fair few batteries. I know with the magic mouse too. I, I, I the double A batteries it does rip through it. I end up buying one of those uh, fifty those packs. Moby uh, rechargeable batteries that oh, uh, yeah. That's... that fit in the bottom. Yeah, so and that's, that, and that that is one thing in their favour that uh, you no need to buy batteries ever again. For but those. that's the thing, Moby are going to struggle now because that was their cool accessory. That was their best thing, was their their ability to have that charger. So they've they've really kind of it's had one of those situations where Apple's just come in and gone, yeah, it's a good idea, but we're going to smash you. So um, <laughs> disappointing. So look, the IMAX uh, is a, is a big deal, um, but it's one of those kind of inherent things. That just over time, they always improve their lines. Um, solid pricing on those two. Again, the dollar hasn't helped us. But if you're interested in a new iMac, good news: 5K resolution is here to stay. Now, on sale this week are the range of Xperia Z5 smartphones from Sony Mobile. They had they were announced uh, in IFA in Berlin. The two blokes were actually in Berlin for, for that announcement, and they did have a launch event uh, a week ago at the MCA where it was the official launch event into the Australian market. Now, They've been talking up these devices for so long. There's the Z5 Compact, which has got a 4.6-inch screen. There's the Z5, which has got the 5.2 full HD screen. And in a month, we're going to see the Z5 Premium, which is the world's first smartphone with a 4K screen, uh, which looks pretty spectacular. We both saw that in Berlin. looked very, very impressive. Now, I think, and we've been using this for about a week now, I've got a wrap on the device. I think that uh, on paper, it does offer 
plenty of features that even the iPhone and the Samsung devices don't have. They've got a lot of, uh, despite the different screen sizes and various resolutions, they do have a few core features that they all share, one being the 23-megapixel camera with super autofocus. That's so really fast autofocus. Two-day battery life. Uh, they've also got a waterproof design and construction. So if you spill a drink, there's no need to panic. Octa-core processor, uh, really good optical image stabilization. I could go on, but it was very impressive to see it being compared to these other products. And I think these are a real chance of maybe uh, grabbing some market share here in Australia. Yeah, because the, uh, you got to remember the um, the Android market is where the com- where the competition really is. This is not going to win over iPhone users. I'll be honest. I don't. Um, I'm a wrap on it on paper, but it isn't going to keep me on the device. Um, I'm still going to go back to the iPhone, and that's my constant challenge. And to me, it's very simple. The day uh, an Android phone company can supply me with a, with a review phone that I always try and use for a week, but that I, I don't want to you know go away from is the important time. Now, the camera is sensational. We'll do a full review maybe in a few weeks, but, but there's a couple of things. It's just a bit slow to load up. It's a bit, bit slow to actually load the camera app. Um, generally, it's, it's a great phone. The battery life is good. It's, it's excellent. It's better than anything else, but it's not two days. So it's a great phone. I just struggle with the price probably, yep. mate. Yeah, I think though, uh, it, my, my early impressions, uh, I have, I think one of the things you said with the camera takes a few seconds to open. Um, I'm not yep. having that. I'm not having that kind of experience with my device. I hit that app icon and it's boom, it's open. There's also a dedicated camera button on the right hand side as well. Mm. One thing though, I think another attractive feature of the Z5 is the fact that they've kept the micro SD card slot. Yep. I think a lot of people that when they saw Samsung take that away, I thought they were very disappointed. Uh, there was been people been asking me, "Oh, look, I'm, I'm I'm not really happy that there's no expandable memory on the Samsungs, and this is the device they're thinking about." So and, good on Sony. I think they must have been doing cartwheels when they found out Samsung were getting rid of the micro SD card. They kept that for sure. They also kept their device waterproof. Yep. Last year, Samsung was waterproof. That this year, no, it's not waterproof. So it's a one year out of four that's waterproof. That's a little bit inconsistent. Uh, so here comes along the Z5, and I think just on the camera front, Sony make most sensors for most of the smartphones in the market, including the iPhone. Mm. So they know a thing or two about the, the, the camera sensor, and of course, they kept the best one for themselves. Mm. Genuine Their screen smartphone. technology is not bad as well. Of course, they've yeah. got a whole, all these other corners of the business that have been brought into the product, including the tri-luminous display from the Bravia TVs. They've got the, the camera from the Cybershot range and the Alpha range. They've got all those smarts as well. So I think that this is, I reckon, Sony's best chance in the market with this device. Genuine smartphone buyers who are looking, comparing, trying, should not go straight to the Samsung because of this phone. This phone, the G4, there's a bunch of good phones out there. And the thing about this is that they've taken everything that was great about the Z3 and, and improved it. So no little caps for the for the charging port or the headphone port because it's waterproof. That's all open now. It's a very smart design. It's a very nice design. Mate, this is a cracking good phone. It's definitely top five. I'll, I'll wait until I've fully reviewed it before I go. Is it yep. is it better than an S6, for example? But Mate, I just the, the the problem I bemoan here is that again they need to they actually need to have price competitiveness to win customers to their brand. Sony can't 
can't assume that because they're Sony, they're going to win. Yeah, well, on the price front, I think the, the, their pricing is a little bit more, uh, let's say, well, lower than, oh, than the iPhone. Sure. Even the the Galaxy phones were more expensive than these. I think the top of the line Z5 Premium, which has got a 5.5 inch screen, 4K screen, that's I th- that is 11.99. That's their most expensive phone. That's nowhere near the most expensive phone for Samsung, oh, for the sure. Edge Plus, the Edge 6S Plus, and the, the, even the, the Galaxy S6 range of phones. So I think in terms of price, they're competitive. Uh, in terms of, uh, I think there's an opportunity here. I interviewed John Featherstone, the, the Aussie MD of Sony Mobile on my Tech Guide podcast. And, and I said to him, I said, look, I think, did you see an opportunity here with especially Samsung's performance this year, a lot lower than, than we expected? And I think he, he kind of knew in the back of his head that there was an opportunity there to sort of pinch a bit of market share of Samsung with a device like this. So I think all all signs are there that this is going to do pretty well. How it does, of course, is in the hands of the customers. And, uh, and we'll, the I, I wait with interest to see how it goes. Customers and retailers. We've got to get those telcos talking about more than just Apple iPhones and Samsung Galaxies. Uh, when that happens, we'll, um, we'll be good for consumers. But... Unfortunately, that's not as easy as it might look, but um, a great phone. We'll have full reviews at uh, techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au soon. And, and just a quick one. I mean, maybe my minute review before your minute reviews. Um, the, uh, I got sent this thing this week. What is it? The Microsoft foldable keyboard. And I thought, well, uh, whatever. Um, but it's actually I thought very, it was a wallet. Yeah. It, it's the size of a CD case. If, if you're listening, you know what a CD was. Um, what's that? Yeah, people exactly. are asking. <laughs> um, but it's actually, so I've had it sitting on my desk in meetings and people go, what's that? Because it says Microsoft on it. And it's this fabric kind of touch. But you open it up and it's a reasonably good size keyboard. They say full size. I say no. Um, the keyboard keys aren't spaced out, so it doesn't feel like a normal keyboard. But solid size keys. And, mate, it works so simply. You open it up, it's on. You, t- you shut it up, it's off. You can compare two phones or tablets at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. It, it, uh, it. it is handy if you want to even switch between devices. So say you're on a, maybe a, yeah. a Surface tablet or you might even have a, an Android uh, an Android phone or even they've even made it compatible with the iPad and the iPhone as well, Microsoft. So you may have a range of devices that you're switching between and this little beauty can uh, not only can, can link with those products, but because it's foldable, this can go anywhere. This will fit yeah. in your jacket pocket. It's really handy for those on-the-go users uh, who who want to type out maybe a, a longer email or a document and, you know, they just couldn't be bothered doing it on their phones. Now they've got the ability to unfold this keyboard and by unfolding it, you're turning it on, uh, connect straight away. They can tap out that email or whatever they need to do, fold it up again, and that turns it off and you're away. Really yep. cool product. 129 bucks. Not the cheapest portable keyboard, but uh, very unique. A good solution for travelers, especially on the plane. It'd be outstanding. So the Microsoft foldable keyboard. Check out the photos, the review at uh, eftm.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen And as part of those bonus minutes here on uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech, Stephen Fennick from Tech Guide um, will will bring us some information about a product he's reviewed, and for this week's two products, we'll kick it off with a thing we saw uh, last week. I think it was the Bose Sound Touch Ten. Yes, this is Bose's latest 
wireless speaker. It's got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on board. It's the entry-level model in the Sound Touch family of products. So this is a multi-room audio product. So this can be positioned numerous speakers around the home. You can connect one-to-one with Bluetooth or network them all together over Wi-Fi. Connect with them through the app as well. On the audio side, Bose again have knocked it out of the park. They've, uh, even though it's a small device, uh, it, it does create a huge sound. It's only 21.2 centimeters high, 14.1 centimeters wide. So it's not massive, doesn't take up a lot of space, perfect to position around the home. But again, big sound from a small product. The other strength of the, of this device, apart from that great audio quality, is the app. The app is really simple to use. There are six presets that can be arranged on the device as well. It's simply a matter of dragging a favorite song, artist, station uh, into one of those presets on the app and it will then on the corresponding devices on your network will correspond to the physical buttons on top of that product as well. So it's simply a matter of walking up to a device, pressing one of those presets and you'll be playing that favorite album, song, station, whatever it happens to be as easy as turning on a light. Really, that's a really cool feature of this system. Uh, these are available now. They're two hundred and ninety-nine dollars, and these are they're mono speakers, but they sound really big. But there are stereo. The Bose SoundTouch Twenty Series Three stereo. So is the SoundTouch Thirty Series Three. Uh, they're priced at four nine nine and seven nine nine. But it's the new SoundTouch Ten that we're talking about here, and it is two hundred and ninety-nine dollars. Beautiful product. Uh, check it out. Techguide.com.au. And Stephen, one of uh, one of my favourite uh, protective cases for uh, smartphones that isn't the the all inclusive OtterBox LifeProof style, but uh, still solid protection because of the technology inside it. The Tech Twenty One. Tech 21 cases, there are new cases on the market for the new 6S and iPhone 6S Plus. Now, Tech 21 uh, use a special patented material called Flex Shock. Now, this is a material that can dissipate shock so that it, it, it can absorb the impact and dissipate it across the face of the case so that the corners aren't, aren't impacted as heavily and your screen isn't smashed. Now, the reason we have a smartphone case in the first place is to protect the device. Flex Shock does that. And it does that in such a way that it's actually 30% thinner and 60% lighter than a competitive product that has the same level of protection. So rather than going for the big chunky case that's going to give you that kind of peace of mind, the Flex Shock in the Tech 21 smartphone cases can give you the exact same thing but a more sleek look and feel. The new models are the Evo Mesh Sport Case, the Evo Mesh Case, and the Evo Elite Case. Now, Previously, the Flex Shock material was orange and it was pretty distinctive to see it on the shelves. Now they're offering that Flex Shock material, which is injected into the edges of the case, as you can see it from the outside. Now there are a variety of colors, blue, green, pink, black and white. The Evo Elite range is available in space gray, silver and gold to match the some of the colors of the iPhone range. Don't think they've got around to a rose gold color yet, but it's only a matter of time. They're priced at $59.95 for the mesh cases and the $69.95 for the elite cases. Check them out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Some solid bonus minutes this week, if I'm honest. Solid bonus minutes. <laughs> and at no extra cost. And all we ask is is a tweet. We, we just ask that your payment be an interaction. Say good day. Jump, yes. jump on the Twitter. Say, say good day to the two blokes. 
we get lonely um, a little now and then. Ziggy, <laughs> Ziggy, Zaggy. Is there any violins you can bring up now, mate? Or? Oh no, I'm not. I'm not not that prepared. Uh, Ziggy Zaggy is the hashtag. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Trevor Long at Stephen Fennick. Uh, you can read Stephen's gibberings at uh, TechGuide.com.au. Uh, what else? You can read my gibberings at EFTM. Stephen's not gibbering. Stephen's a journalist. TechGuide.com.au. My gibberings are at EFTM.com.au, and I'm on Facebook, uh, TrevorLong.com. Check it out. Uh, we'll be back next week, mate. Two twenty-nine. I mean, it's just the count just keeps going up. It is it's going up and up. Talk to you next week. See you, mate. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.